Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel Record of Luke. The Gospel Record of Luke in chapter number 12. The Gospel Record of Luke in chapter number 12. At this stage in the Gospel Record of Luke, Jesus Christ has already spent about three years with his disciples and now is preparing for this long walk to Jerusalem. He knows that when he gets to Jerusalem, he's going to be arrested. He's going to be put in a false trial. He's going to be crucified and put up on a cruel cross, buried in a borrowed tomb, and the third day he rose again. Now as he's making his long trek down there, he's taking his time and taking time to teach his disciples to help prepare them to continue on after he's gone. Now in the beginning part of the Luke chapter number 12, Jesus Christ had started with this great multitude and began to teach the disciples, not just the 12, but all of those who have chosen to follow after him, and begin to teach them some lessons so they could continue to survive in a world that's increasingly cruel towards the believers and the followers of the Lord. Now in the midst of this hard speech, this man pushes his way up and says, Jesus! And he doesn't ask Jesus, but he orders him, Master, tell my brother to give me part of the inheritance. Now, can you imagine a very hard message, a very somber message? And this guy gets up in the middle of the crowd and says, Jesus, make him share. Well, Jesus pretty much calls him a fool, but uses this as a time to turn and teach everyone else about being aware of covetousness, that they could trust God, and that where your heart is, that's where your treasure is going to be as well. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. He said, seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to him. Then he began to speak to them about being good servants. Now, in the midst of this, they've already had one interruption. Jesus is beginning to speak about uh, being servants and being faithful servants, and God will reward you for being a faithful servant when there's another interruption. This time, it's not one of the crowd, but instead, it's one of the disciples who interrupts Jesus in the middle of his speech, in the middle of his sermon. Let's pick it up in the interruption, verse number 41. Luke chapter 12 and verse 41. Then Peter said unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us, or even to all? And the Lord said, Who it then is? is that faithful and wise steward from his lord shall <coughs> whom his lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season blessed is that servant whom his lord when he cometh shall find so doing of a truth i say unto you that he will make him ruler over all that he hath but and if that servant say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the men's servants and maidens, and to eat and to drink and to be drunken, the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in sunder, and will appoint him his portion with 
the unbelievers. And that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with a few stripes. For unto whosoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. And I come to send fire on the earth. And what will I if it be kindled already? But I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how am I straightened till it be accomplished? Suppose ye that I come to give peace on earth. I tell you nay, but rather division. For... From henceforth there shall be five in one house divided, three against two and two against three. And father shall be divided against the son and the son against the father and the mother against the daughter and the daughter against the mother and the mother-in-law against the daughter-in-law and the daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law. And he said also to the people, When ye see a cloud rise out of the west, straightway ye saith, There cometh a shower, and so it is. And when ye see the south wind blow, Ye say, there will be heat, and it cometh to pass. Ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it that you do not discern this time? Yea, and why even of your own selves, or yourselves judge ye not what is right? When thou goest with thine adversary to the magistrate, as thou were in the way, give diligence that thou mayest be delivered from him, lest he hail thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and the officer cast thee to prison. I tell thee, thou shalt not depart thence, till thou hast paid every last might. And with this, if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the gospel record of Luke and chapter number 12? The gospel record of Luke and chapter number 12. And notice with me in verse number 42, the phrase, that faithful and wise steward. That faithful and wise Stuart. And with the Lord's help, we want to explore what Jesus is speaking about to his disciples and to the crowd when he speaks about the faithful and wise Stuart. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together. And let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you, we're asking that you would give us your Holy Spirit discernment upon this passage. That we could understand it correctly and that we could apply it correctly. That you would give us much wisdom. Help us, Lord, to search our own hearts and to be honest with ourselves with what you already know about whether we're faithful and wise stewards, whether we're obedient stewards, or whether we're missing something in our life, and that we would be willing to take the steps to be the stewards, the servants that you desire us to be. And we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <coughs> now, this is one of those passages that a lot of people sometimes have a hard time with. And when you go to the scholars and the professors, and what they tend to do is they love to try to take apart every little tiny thing, and they'll miss the forest from the trees. In this, let's try just to take a clear view of what Jesus says and make a 
practical and common application from it. Now remember, as Jesus Christ has been preaching in Luke chapter number 12, he started off by teaching them that the disciples needed to be faithful. And here are some tools to help you to be faithful in those days. In the midst of that, he had someone come up, push his way through the crowd, and say, Master, make my brother share the inheritance. Make him give me my part of the inheritance. Jesus used that turn to the crowd, called him a fool, and had nothing really to do with him, and began to teach against covetousness and understanding that the idea, the desire of things can keep us from following God and help us from being the servants that we ought to be. Now in the midst of this, as Jesus finished speaking about being a faithful servant, Peter, of course it's Peter, he interrupts Jesus with a question. Verse 41, Then Peter said unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us, or even all? Now, when he asks this question, he says, All right, Lord, who are you preaching at? You preaching to them? Preaching to me? Or just, you know, who are you talking to? Well, Jesus ignores Peter and continues to go on. Now, you'd almost think in your mind that Peter, shut up, shut up. Just don't say anything. What are you doing? Almost see this car wreck happen, which you see in Peter's life quite often. He had foot and mouth disease quite often that he just open up and fill it up with his foot and then kind of, oops, sorry, made a mistake and walk back sheepishly. But he kept doing it over and over again. This wasn't a time for him to speak. It was a time for him to be listening and applying and learning. But Jesus continues on with his speech, with his sermon about being faithful and wise stewards. But what he does is continue to talk about what is a faithful and wise and just steward and what is not. Let's learn from the clear text of what Jesus says. A faithful and wise steward, first of all, understandeth his job is to obey. A faithful and wise steward understands his job is to obey. Notice with me in verse 42 as Jesus continues on just ignoring what Jesus, what Peter had said. Verse 42, and the Lord said, who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season. Now, if you don't mind, let's define our terms. Let's make sure that we have an understanding. First of all, he describes something called a steward. A steward. Now, normally when people think of a steward, sometimes they immediately go to money. Stewardship involves much more than money, though. A steward is in charge of the possessions and time of another. And as wise stewards of the Lord, they're responsible more than just money. But God has given them more responsibilities that they are required to be obedient over, that they're placed in charge. In fact, when it's all said and done, a steward doesn't own anything. It's all his masters. And because he is pushed in charge of things that is not his own, it only makes sense that he is going to one day have to give an account for how well he, he obeyed and was faithful in what was given to him. Does it make sense? So we're talking about a steward, someone who's placed in charge of the possessions and the responsibility and the work of another. Now with it, notice that there's going to be four types of stewards that are going to be recorded here. The first one is going to be the faithful and wise steward. Now let's once again define our word faithful. 
We have to find, define that word faithful because people have a different idea of faithful. For example, I could ask someone, have you faithfully read your Bible? Oh, yes, preacher, I've read my Bible. I faithfully read it. Good. When's the last time you read it? A couple months ago. Well, you're supposed to be faithful to church. I'm faithful to church, preacher. Good. How often do you go? Eh, once a month. How do we define faithfulness? Well, perhaps we should define faithfulness the way that your wife would define faithfulness. For example, here's my wife. And if I said, honey, I want to give you some great news. I've been 99% faithful to you in my marriage. Is that good news to her? No. Not at all. What does she expect from me? 100% faithfulness. So when we go to the Lord, should God expect less faithfulness from you dealing with his work, his possessions, his stewardship than my wife requires of me in my marriage? So when we talk about faithfulness, we're defining our terms. It's not, well, I'm faithful sometimes. It's an expectation that you're faithful all times. Who is that faithful and wise steward? Now we understand we get our wisdom from God. That's from God's word that God directs us and explains things in his life. With that, we come to the idea. We know that the word steward is often put the idea of servant. So let's define this. All right, class. Some of you know where I'm going. So if you know where I'm going, be quiet on the first answer. But I want the rest of the answer. Okay. What is the only job of a servant? His job is to? If you said serve, that answer is absolutely completely wrong. The only job of a servant is to obey. Because if my master told me to stay here, what is my job to do? My job is to obey. Now, the reason why I define it that way is because if people find their value in service, then what happens is if they don't serve in a way that they don't do something, they feel like they have less value. But if God told me to sit right here, then my job is to sit right here. Does that make sense? We, we, we have to define our terms. Let me give an example and forgive the personal illustration. There was a time when I was healthy that me and my pastor, we tried to knock a thousand doors a week. Praise the Lord, that's great. But then God also broke my back and there's two times in my life for two weeks at a time where I was told to stare at the ceiling and not to move that if I moved just a little bit, it would sever my spinal cord. Well, did I believe that God gave me that back problems? Yes. So was I just as much in God's wheel still staring at the ceiling as I was when I was knocking a thousand doors a week? Yes. Because that's what God gave to me. But if I place my value in service rather than obedience, then I'm going to feel like I'm not, obe that I'm not pleasing to the Lord. Does that make sense? So we have to understand there are times that God tells you to wait. And if you don't wait, you're not faithful and obedient. Does that make sense? So we're defining our terms. What do we mean by a faithful and wise steward? He is someone that is tasked to be obedient. That the job requirement of a faithful and wise steward is to obey. And to obey what their master has given to them. Now we're defining terms. Let's go back to the passage. Notice with me in verse 42. By the way, for the idea, I set everyone up that way. Because we learn from it. The idea that the only job of a servant is to obey. Okay? Verse 42. And the Lord said, Who then 
is that faithful and wise steward? Whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat and due season. So notice, in this scenario, the steward's job was to care for the household that his master had put over him. And he's in charge of uh, maidservants. He's in charge of manservants. He's in charge of dividing out the meat and making sure that they're fed, making sure that they're taken care of. That's his job. So if the people don't eat, it's the steward's fault, right? Because that was his job. He was tasked with the job of caring for the household. Notice it goes on verse 43. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh back, shall find so doing. Notice that phrase, find so doing. He is tasked with a certain task. And when the master comes back, he's expected to continue to do that task. Does that make sense? That's the expectation. Now with that, we understand that as stewards, that God gives us all different things. Not all of you are tasked to be a pastor of a church. Not all of you are tasked with being a missionary. But God has tasked every single one of us with responsibilities. And we're supposed to do the responsibilities God has given to us day in and day out. You know, God has given us stewardship over the Bible. Are you being faithful in your Bible reading? Well, you say, well, that just gets boring. Well, we're supposed to do it day in and day out. We're supposed to continue doing so in due season. There are faithful things. You say, well, well, it's not all exciting. Being a servant is not about excitement. It's about doing what you're supposed to do day in and day out. Day in and day out. Day in and day out. In that sense, it's simple. We're not supposed to be uh, fighting dragons and doing all this... Can you be faithful in the things God has given to you every day? Being faithful with what God has given to you. Day in, day out. Day in, day out. And one day that master is going to come and he is going to require an accountability. Because it's the master's stuff. How have you treated my stuff? How are you with being responsible with the things I have given to you. Notice if you don't mind in verse number 44. Of a truth I say unto you that he, this master, will make him the faithful and wise steward, ruler over all that he hath. Now we've already hit some millennial kingdom passages earlier. But you understand that what you do on this earth is going to affect what you do for a thousand years in the millennial kingdom. Basically, you're in a lifetime job application. You're being tried to see how well God could trust you for the thousand year millennial kingdom inside of his government. You are proving yourself to be faithful that you could be trusted and placed to be even more responsibilities later on. Now, if I have someone that I've tasked in my household to do dishes and they don't do dishes, am I going to give them more responsibilities? No. And has God given us a whole lot to do? No. But he's given us some things to do. And if we won't be obedient to the things that he's given us to do, how can he trust us with more later on? It's all the idea is he is proving to see if we will be faithful in the things that he has given to us. Now remember I said there are four stewards in this passage that he was talking about. The first one was the faith. 
the faithful and wise steward. But notice as now God makes reference to these other stewards starting in verse number 45. But and if that servant say in his heart. So this servant, this steward say in his heart. My Lord delayeth his coming and shall begin to beat the men servants and the maids. And to eat and to drink and to be drunken. The Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him. And in an hour when he is not aware. And will cut him asunder. And will appoint his portion with the unbelievers. Notice here. There are some things about an unfaithful ser servant. Notice it talks about his skepticism. My Lord delayeth his coming. The servant doesn't understand that the Lord is coming back sooner than what he thinks. And when the master comes, he's expecting an account. This, this, I got plenty of time. I'll get things right with God later on. Oh, I, I, I know he's coming. Notice he's not necessarily denying. He says, I'll just do it later. Not a big deal. I'll, I'll put it off. It's kind of the reason why before they had phone apps that you didn't know when your parents are coming home and they gave you that big laundry list. If you knew when they were coming home, you'd wait till five minutes till they got there to get the list done and you'd waste all the rest of the time. Well, because we don't know when he's coming, we need to be faithful now. We need to be doing what God has tasked us to do now. And so we see a skepticism. We also see his sinfulness. Because he doesn't really think his Lord is coming back, he starts to get involved with things that he should not be involved with. He begins to beat the men servants. Begins to beat the maids. He begins to eat and to drink and become drunken. And he's full of sinfulness. Instead of preparing for the Lord, he's now used his position to hurt others around him. And then there's the sentence. The master is going to come back and that servant is going to give an account. Now listed in the following passages are going to be three types of unfaithful servants and their sentences. The first one is going to be the false servant. The false servant. Notice this. He wasn't a servant at all. All. Verse number 46. And the Lord of that servant will come in that day when he looketh for him not, and an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in sunder, and will appoint him his portion with the unbeliever. There are some people who are not servants of Christ at all. They're not even saved. But they said, you know what, I'm going to do this later. I've heard messages, I've heard before, I showed up to church, but I've never trusted Christ as my Savior. Well, then you're not one of his servants. And you know what's going to happen? Notice very clearly what it says. He will be cut in sunder and point him in his portion with unbelievers. Do you know that there are church people in hell? There are people who can sit in a church service like this. And they can have a Bible. They can be looking at it themselves. But because they've never trusted Christ to be their Savior. They're not a servant at all. And one day they're going to have to stand before the Master and give an account. And there are going to be good people. Religious people who are in hell. Beside Hitler's and Mussolini's. Beside the serial killer's. 
You said, but that's not fair. No, 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 no. It's not about fair. It's about, did you trust Jesus Christ? Because we're all sinners. There's none righteous. No, not one. For the wages of sin is death. The Bible says, because we've broken God's law, because I've disobeyed God's commandments, because I disobeyed my folks, because I told a lie, I deserve punishment. The good news is, is that Jesus paid my punishment for me. And all I have to do is receive him and his promises. Allow him to do my work. And God promised that I could be forgiven of my sins. That's why John 3.16 is the most beloved Bible verse in all the word of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But there are so many people who hear these promises and have never personally accepted Christ as your savior. Let me tell you, you're a false servant. You're not a servant of all. You could say you're religious. You could say you belong to a church. You could say you're Catholic, Baptist, Methodist, Lutheran. You could be atheist. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Those don't get you to heaven. A church doesn't get you to heaven. Your parents don't get you to heaven. The only way you get to heaven is by realizing you're a sinner and allow Jesus to pay the price that you owed God. And every person has to do that for themselves. And one day Christ is coming and he's coming in a time when you're not expected. In fact, your death may be one breath away. None of you are guaranteed tomorrow. You could leave this church service and say, well, that was nice. And you could head home and be in a head-on accident. And your time can be up. You don't know when your last breath may be. Now is the time to get things settled. Now is the time to get things accepted. If not, then the Bible says that your portion is with the unbelievers. Church people will end up in the same place as everyone else in hell. If they never trust him as savior. And so the first servant is a false servant. He's not a servant indeed. Notice there's a second punishment here to a different servant. Notice with me in verse 47. And that servant which knew his Lord's will. So here's someone who knew what his master wanted. He's saved. He knows his master's will. He knows his master has told him to do something. And prepared not himself. Neither did according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. Now think about this. Here's a servant who knew God's real. He knew his master had a plan that Jesus is not willing that any should perish but also come to repentance. And they say, that's nice. They may even say, I should be involved in that. But the problem is, is that he prepared not himself. What does that mean? It means to make a purposeful decision that I'm going to follow after Christ. You will never follow Christ by accident. There's no such thing as waking up one morning and go, woohoo, look, I've been accidentally following God the whole time. To follow after God is a purposeful and intentional decision that requires preparation. That means you have to make a decision to follow after God. Maybe you're in here and you're truly saved, but you've never made a decision to purposely follow after God. You've never prepared yourself. Let me tell you that Jesus is coming back and that's a real thing. And that the judgment seat of Christ is a real thing. And you will stand before God and give an account for how well of a steward you were over the things God put you over. 
Were you faithful? Were you responsible? And you're going to have to stand before your master and give an account. And the Bible says that that servant which knew not his will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. That means that there's consequences. Some of those consequences happen before you die. Because God is a loving father, one of the things we get with our brand new life is we get a brand new heavenly father who will take you, as we say in the south, take you outside the woodshed. He will correct your behavior because he wants you to do what's right. Because he loves you. But the rest of those stripes, the punishment, will come on the other side when you stand before God. When we will see reward or loss of rewards. Remember... You are going to determine what you do in the millennial kingdom. And if you don't use your time on earth wisely now, how can God trust you in the thousand year millennial kingdom? You understand, you're going to suffer loss for a thousand years. Oh yeah, he's saved, but he didn't trust God. Look at him. That's a different message, but I personally believe that our that our brand new bodies that we get are actually going to shine and glow based off of our faithfulness to God. And for a thousand years, people will be able to say, oh, that's someone who didn't trust God on earth. They didn't trust God when they had the opportunity. That's a big deal. There are consequences for saying, well, I'll, I'll, I'll do it later. I'll, I'll live however I want now. There are consequences. And these are real things. Notice, if you don't mind, there's another servant that's mentioned here. Verse number 48. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. Now here's someone who's, let's say that they never had the opportunity to go to church. They got saved. And so they didn't necessarily know what was right and wrong. They didn't have as much light as others do. They're still responsible for their own actions. But the Bible gives a principle here, verse number uh, 48, For whosoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. You know, there is a blessing and a detriment of coming to a Bible-believing church. The blessing is, is that you learn more about the Bible. The detriment is that you're required to be obedient to the things that you learn. When we look, we understand that there are other people who believe the Bible. We happen to be Baptist. What's the difference between Baptist and someone else? My personal explanation is that we have more light than others. But I believe some of them will be better off of the judgment seat of Christ because they're obedient to the light they have. Whereas we're given a lot of light, there's a much more required of us. That's a big deal. With much more is required. Notice again in verse 48, the middle of it. For whomsoever much is given of him shall much, uh, shall be much required. And to him, whom men have committed much of him, they will ask the more. God has given us a great heritage. Now think about this. Let's say that there's a kid who grows up in a Christian home and grows up being taught the Bible. Is God going to expect more of them than someone who got saved later on in life? Absolutely. Because they've had more opportunities. They've been given more information. They have have a life that's been kept from sin. Praise the Lord. But much more is required from them. 
when we go to a Bible preaching church, now I'm not telling you to go to a different church, but I'm saying that much more is required of us because we have more light, more responsibility that God has presented to us. We have much more opportunities to serve God and much more that we're responsible for. And the Bible says that the steward is responsible. Maybe we could put it this way. God will not hold a lower standard than your employer will hold for you. If you're hired at a job and you don't show up, are there going to be consequences? If you show up and you're hired for a job, but you spend all day at the water cooler and not working, do you think there's some consequences? Do you think they're going to trust you with a better project? Do you think they're going to trust you with more work? No. You understand? God's not going to hold us to a lower standard than what he will an employer. God is the God of the universe. And he is not willing that any shall perish, but all shall come to repentance. We're responsible for the Bible. We're responsible for giving the Bible out. We're responsible for being obedient to the Bible. And if we are not obedient to God, do you think God's just going to wave at it? Not at all. We're going to stand before him and we're going to give an account for our lives. We're going to give an account for what God has given to us and how obedient we were to the things given to us. That's all about being faithful steward. Now that was point one. Let's see what else the Bible has to say here. Not only is the faithful and wise steward understands that his job is to be obedient, we see that the faithful and wise steward understands to follow Christ causes division. Now, if we were to go up to a non-Bible teaching church, they call himself Christian, but you say, what did Christ come to do? Well, he came to give peace between America and Canada. He came to allow peace throughout the world. He came to give goodwill to, uh, to all men. That's not what the verse says, it towards all men. He gave salvation available for everyone. But do you know that the Bible, Jesus, his own words, teaches something completely different from what the world thinks? The world thinks that because of Christ that we should all get along and coexist. But notice what the Bible says as we continue on in verse 49. If, or sorry, I am come to send fire on the earth. Now there are two types of fire that the Bible describes. First of all is Pentecostal fire. The fire that comes from his Holy Spirit upon his people to get his work accomplished. The second would be punitive fire. And the world would be divided by fire judgment. If I come to send fire on the earth, and what will I if it already be kindled? By the way, Jesus was the catalyst. He was the one who sparked the flame. He is the one who is the one to bring power on the earth upon his people. And it is because of Jesus that the destruction will come. He is the endorsement. He is the one that's coming. He is the catalyst. The fire came from the cross. But notice what he goes on and to say in verse 51. Suppose ye that I come to give peace on earth. I tell you nay, but rather division. Now again, that's opposite of what normal Christian churches will teach. Notice what it says, verse 52. From henceforth there shall be five in one household divided, three against two and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son and the son against the father and the mother against the daughter and the daughter against the mother and the mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and the daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law. What in the world is this about? Well, when someone makes a decision to follow after Christ and to live for the Lord, those who don't want to live for the Lord are not going to be happy with it. 
let's say that someone from an Orthodox Catholic house and one of their people become born again. That family can actually disown a Jewish family. A Muslim, can you imagine a Muslim family? A devout Muslim family and one of their kids become a Christian? Do you think there's going to be peace in that house? Absolutely not. What happens if you get someone who gets excited for the Lord and the rest of the household doesn't care one way or another about the Lord? Is there going to be division? Absolutely. Because the world is going one direction and God is going a different direction. And if you're following the Lord, you are going to cause division. It's part of it that people are not going to like how you are. Now, I've given this personal illustration before. Forgive me. But I remember um, my I came to know Jesus Christ as my Savior at a vacation Bible school in Dallas, Texas. But my parents um, were Christians in name only, meaning we barely showed up to Christians. We weren't even C&E Christians. You know what C&E, right? Christmas and Easter. We weren't even C&E Christians. we just show up every now and again. Well, when my parents got brainwashed or aliens or something, they moved from, the Dakota, uh, from, from Texas to South Dakota because there was no people there, there happened to be a little white church on top of the hill of the place we were living at. So I determined as a teenage boy that I was going to go start going to church no matter what the parent, you know, I, I couldn't get rides, so I'd start going on my own. And so I started going Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and I was growing and getting excited, reading my Bible, and not me not knowing any better would go to my mom and say, Mom, are you saved? She goes, uh-huh. Then how come you don't read your Bible? Now, I did it out of innocence, but do you think that bothered her quite a bit? Mom, are you saved? Yes. Then uh, how come you don't go to church? Do you think uh, she liked that? No. Now again, I probably could have been more tactful, but I was just a growing Christian and I'm excited. And finally came the day when I came home and there was a lot more cars in uh, home than I expected. And I came home on a Sunday night and they were there to have an intervention. What? They're like, listen... It's not natural. It's not right for someone to go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. I, are you part of a cult? We're just kind of concerned. Are you part of a cult? I mean, you're reading your Bible every day. I just, it just doesn't right. Was there a division in that household? Yes. And was it because I was evil? No. It's because I was trying to do what was right. And it was bothering the people who were not doing right. Jesus says that if you get saved and start following me. Now, notice there's two things. Saved and following me. You could be saved and not following God. You won't bother anybody. Mm -hmm. But if you get saved and start following God. People around you who don't want to follow God. Are not going to be happy about that. And it is going to cause division. And Jesus is honest enough to tell us up front what's going to happen. Amen. That if you decide to be a faithful and wise steward, there are going to be people at your work who do not like you. There are going to be people in your house that are not going to be happy about it. There are going to be people around you. My own mother, forgive me, I've been preaching for a while, 25 years, something like that. My mom's never heard me preach once. My mom's never listened to a recording of my tapes. I put together a study Bible, chronological Bible, and I said, can I give you one? She goes, no, I'll never read it. I even got to the place where I called her up, and we were talking, and she goes, listen, we're not talking about the Bible or religious things anymore. Well, I'm a pastor. What do I talk about then? Now, I'm not picking up my mom. I love my mom, and I'm praying for her all the time. You know, there's a division there. She doesn't want to hear anything 
And it's not because I'm evil and it's not because I'm bad. It's because I'm choosing to follow after Christ. And she doesn't want to follow after Christ. And there is division. Can it be that a husband and wife have division because one of them decide to follow after Christ and the other ones don't? Can it happen where some teenager wants to follow after Christ and the parents aren't happy? Yes. So you have to understand that there's division that happens because they're going in two different directions. The faithful and wise steward understands to follow Christ causes division. One more thing here. A faithful and wise steward understands the times. A faithful and wise steward understands the times. Notice with me verse 54. And he, Jesus, said also unto the people, When ye see a cloud rise out from the west, straightway ye say, there is a shower. And so it is. Now, here's where we go to geography. Remember that this is in the promised land of Israel. And if you see a rain cloud out in the west, out to the west of Israel is the Mediterranean Sea. And so you're able to discern that if I see that there's a cloud out in the Mediterranean Sea and it's coming this direction, it's bringing with it rain. We can figure that out with no help. Jesus says, all right, so all of you could be weather forecasters. You know where we're at. You see if a cloud is in the west and it's coming this way, we're going to get rain. No problem. You could discern that. Notice as he goes on, verse 55. And when you see the south wind blow, you say, there shall be heat and it shall come to pass. Now remember where the promised land is at and where Israel's at. That underneath our south is going to be the Sinai Peninsula and it's going to be a lot of desert. And so if the wind comes from the south and it brings with it that desert heat, it's going to be hot that day. You could figure that out with no help. You could discern those things. I could discern it's going to rain. I could discern if it's going to be hot. But notice what Jesus said, verse 56. Ye hypocrites! Ye could discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it that you do not discern this time? Again, we go back full circle. Now is the time. Jesus can come back at any moment. There is no signs and no wonders that need to be fulfilled. There's no more prophecies that have to happen. Jesus Christ can come back and he can come back before the end of this message. Are you ready to face him? Are you ready to meet him? You need to understand that now is the time to get right with God. Now is the time to get saved. Now is the time to make a decision. Not to put it off. Not to say tomorrow because tomorrow is guaranteed for nobody. You need to be discerning that your time is shorter than what you really think that you have. Notice in verse 57. Yea, and why even of your own, yourselves judge ye not what is right, when thou goest with thine adversary to the magistrate, as thou art in the way. Give diligence that thou mayest deliver from him, lest he hail thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and the officer cast thee into prison. I tell thee that thou shalt not depart thence, till thou hast paid the very last might. The word might is an idea of money. And so it says, listen... You need to get your account settled before you meet the judge. You need to pay your fine before it is too late. The Bible says for the wages of sin 
is death. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, may I beg you, accept Christ now. When I preach at the jails, it's amazing. They all understand this. You hire your lawyer before you go to court. All the people in the jail will nod their heads and smile at me. Yep, you hire your lawyer before you go to court. You're going to face God one day. You can go ahead and hire the services of Christ to be your advocate. The Bible says, 1 John chapter 2 and verses 1 and 2, that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, that we can hire Him. And when we hire Him, He forgives us of all of our sins. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you have never been forgiven of your sins, let me tell you, accept Christ today. He will forgive the debt that you owe God. He'll pay it full, free, and forever. He'll pay the debt for you. Accept Him now before it is too late. You look at the news and you look, our world is not getting any better, but it's getting worse. Are you discerning enough to understand that? Do you understand that we may not have long here, who knows what's going to happen? Between wars and rumors of wars, who knows what's going to happen? Of course, last week there's a lot of things, I'm not going to hit news things, but there's a lot of things that concern people going on right now. Who knows what's going to occur? Now's the time to accept Christ as your Savior. Now, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, can you not discern the times? You of all people should understand that Jesus Christ come back at any moment. Have you ever made a purposeful decision to be faithful to Him? Not as the world defines it, but as God defines it. Are you faithful to Christ? Are you reading your Bible every day? Are you showing up to church services every time the doors are open? Have you determined to be obedient to Him? Remember, there is a punishment for those who have never prepared, never made a decision. And one day you're going to stand before God and realize how much wasted time we had that we could have used for the Savior, that we could have used for the Master, that we could have used work for the night is coming. Jesus Christ is coming soon. So, if you were to do your own internal check, not one of pride where you're bragging to people, not one where you're trying to look good before someone, but an internal check between you and the Lord, could you honestly classify yourself as a faithful and wise steward? If not, what decisions do you need to make to become that faithful and wise steward? Again, if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Savior, in just a moment, we're going to have an invitation. And there's nothing magical about the altars. But I want to invite you to come and respond. Get my attention and I will show you from the Bible how you can know without a doubt that your sins are forgiven. It'd be my privilege. For those of you who've never made a decision to read your Bible every day, I implore you make that decision. Maybe you need to make a decision that you're going to be faithful to the house of God. I encourage you to make that decision. To be faithful to Him. Who is that wise and faithful servant? Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time 
to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920-530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.